How you doing? I'm Mikey Jane. You're watching and listening to KGUP Presents. I hope you miss me as much as I missed you. I've been off for quite a while, November of 2021 to be exact. Uh, it was a much needed break. I also needed some time off to work on my new project. Just to let you know a little bit about that project, uh, later this year, I'll be, I plan on releasing a book and documentary. I'm hoping to release both at the same time because they both work in tandem with each other. Uh, the book started out as a journey of how I became a flat earther, and it's really a compilation of my path to finding this information out because you know, I talk to a lot of people and I want to kind of catalog my journey with, with information so you can kind of get an idea of how I arrived to this conclusion um, that we're not on a spinning ball. And it includes a lot of my revelations into why the lie was created in the first place. And I wanted to spell a lot of the science that I used to believe in for, for many, many years. Because, um, you know, if you don't know me personally, I my head was in the clouds. I was a big Star Wars fan. I loved Battlestar Galactica. I mean, you name it. I watched anything that involved space and science fiction and followed NASA and most recently SpaceX. And a lot of what I've, I have uncovered is the reason for the lie. And that part of it has always intrigued me the most. I also get into Tartaria and the mud floods because it's, it's all part of the same deception. Uh, a lot of my research is pretty in-depth, and it's taken me a long time to gather this this information, so it is going to take me a while to to get this published and ready for publishing. So instead of publishing a book with a bunch of speculation, I I do a talk about a lot of stuff that, that's never been talked about in, or uh, people have just touched on the subject. So if, any, if anyone has come across the stuff that I have uh, covered, um, I haven't heard about it. And so once I, you know, paths do cross and I do find information from people who I admire or has done research on it, I will definitely credit that person. <clears throat> One of my main motivating reasons I'm publishing this book is to explain the deception and when and where it all began. Um, often people say controllers or they say elites or, or behind it all, but we think we've narrowed down to a small number of families but no one effectively has proven this. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation and I really want to uncover this and get to the bottom of it. And this is where most of my investigation begins. Uh, you know, before I started this, I used to think I was a great researcher, but this project has been a challenge to say the least. But, um, you know, some of my background is in journalism and some of it you know, I've been in various jobs where it required me to do a lot of investigating. So I'm putting putting all of that into good use. And uh, but I digress because this isn't what this episode is about. I mean, today we have an amazing guest. I've been listening to his podcast for about five to six months or so, and uh, I've just been hooked ever since he came out with his first show. And I'm super pumped to have none other than Matt of the Great Deception Podcast. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Five, four, three, two, one. And you know I had to tell yeah, 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 yeah. The earth is flat. Bro, you need to check your facts. I got high up through the roof. And I landed on the 
favorites, which is the Masonic Temple, which was built in 1892. This, again, we're looking at, it looks like a hotel in, with its size. But again, the, the intricacy of the detail on the outside, it's not just a plain brick building. I mean, it is massive in size and stature. Now, this leads you to believe that something must have happened in the area of the lake to cause these fires. What you're talking about yeah. is 440 hertz. And this is right. what we're listening to constantly. It should be 432. Yes. 432, but guess who was fucking around with that? Jimi Hendrix. What happened to him? Kurt Bob Cobain. Marley. What ha- Bob Marley. What happened? All, the, all the these Beatles, people, dude. Led Amy Zeppelin. Winehouse. Like they, most of those 27 club people were messing with the 432. And welcome back. Today, we have an amazing guest on our show today. His investigation to discoveries into Tartaria and the evidence of mud floods is is worth following he has awesome guests and every monday he hosts a panel with amazing guests called the master debaters and they talk about a variety of topics uh outside of mud floods uh they discuss you know film and the music industries and with that said i'd like to bring him on the man of the hour the one and only matt of the great deception podcast great to finally meet you you as well nice uh so i'm gonna do is uh do our i was having a conversation with my uh, sister because my dad and my mom have both had covid so it's been kind of like a dramatic thing and oh man yeah they're they're taking uh both of them because they're they're just like incoherent and uh it's uh, so apparently it's like really bad and so they're gonna go down to san diego from northern california because they can't take care of themselves um, yeah because they're like in their 70s and so yep oh man just what you need right right i mean it all just happened on saturday and we've just been going back and forth i'm like do i need to fly out there and they're like no we we have got it taken care of my brother's living with them so Mm -hmm. so that that kind of helps but that that's that's what i'm dealing with right now oh man you got your hands full yeah and um i got this thing this whole um pdf from dr brian artis and 
he's got this whole mapped out like um supplement package where you know it's like a cocktail of like vitamin c magnesium um you know they're they're also taking quercetin and um selenium okay and uh, it's supposed to like you know help get rid of of covid out of their system and mm-hmm. um you know and we all know covid is not really what what it's branded out there for and you know it's i i what i personally think is whatever they're spraying in the the chemtrails is whatever disease or virus that they're trying to spread and it's really up to our personal diets is how we're going to fight it and uh you know if you're not you know you you have poor nutrition then of course you're going to feel the full effects of it and you know if you're as older, with anything right i mean and that's what we and that's the funniest part about all this is because you don't see anyone on television preaching healthy diet healthy living oh, not at all it's all it's just it's such a backward system we're in right now where they're they're you know they're they're forcing you to things that are unhealthy to make you health to make you believe you're healthy when in reality you're making yourself less healthy yeah you know i was it's funny i was watching the daytona 500 and i was like you know this you know because i used to love it i used to write for an ass car for about four years i was really into it because my dad was into it and then uh, we both got away from it around 2012, I think. And, you know, it, it was harder for me to let go of it. And but so like I was watching like the last half and I, I was just watching it with an open eye. And I was like, wow, it is just consumerism. Every commercial is just Taco Bell Doritos and anything that it would just make you sick. Yep. And so they're not promoting any healthy products. It's, it's all promotion of stuff that's going to make you sick and it's going to make you fall ill to whatever they're putting out there. And, you know, it's just to make a quick buck and they don't, they don't care about us. I mean, we were just, well, I saw, I saw a great uh, meme the other day and it said, you know, you know why you never see an ad for Lamborghini or Ferrari? Cause those people are too busy working for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead they, they just, they, us, you know, the regular people who watch the Netflix and TV and it, they just bombard us with unhealthy stuff all day. And, you know, and, and, may, and, and they dress it up nice, you know, like you watch the pharmaceutical commercials and it's a beautiful scene. But meanwhile, they're talking about 30 seconds worth of potential side effects that could kill you. Right. You know, it's just it just makes no sense, man. It's so upside down right now. Yeah. And that's what I love about your podcast. I mean, you call it the great deception. So you can just talk about anything because everything that's provided to us, everything that's shown to us, it's all a deception. And I had this like whole great introduction, but I I think I'm just going to just roll right into it and just kind of like, you know, you're on the show already. And, I, you know, the last couple of months, uh, probably about five months or so, that's when I when I discovered you. I think you were a guest on my family thinks I'm crazy. Um, I think you were on, um, I, I don't know what shows you were on, but somehow you got in front of my podcast feed and I was like, all right, who's this guy? So I looked you up and then immediately I was just hooked. Cause you have just this pleasant voice and you're not, you know, you're not, you don't spread a bunch of like rhetoric and, and you, you don't say all these like talking points that most, you know, like these right, left, right, talk shows the way they do and like you know it, you're all about the information and the facts and like and uh so it, just the way that you, pre- you present things is just 
it's like, you know, you know, you cut right to the chase and don't have a lot of fluff. And so that's what I like about your show. So tell me, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get started into this whole, like, um, I mean, was it the mud floods that, that got your attention and you're like, Oh, I need to make the show. Um, no, actually I've been, uh, into, you know, alternate history and, and things like that for a long time now. Um, I went to school for history, um, you know, as a, I went to a business school, um, but history <laughs> was my minor, you know, history and political right. science. Cause I always had an interest and I always felt like the two tied in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, and there were times, you know, th- for the last 20 years where I've been into it and then other times where I've paid no attention whatsoever for a couple of years at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, around, 2006 after you know uh watching loose change that really woke me up to everything to start seeing things with a little different lens and that what we were being fed on a daily basis might not be real might not be true at least um and and you know and then came you know the podcast generation which was such a cool thing for me because being a history guy you know there's limited television for it and it's very propagandized. So starting to hear some differing opinions got me back into it. And, uh, you know, like Graham Hancock and, uh, guys like that, like Randall Carlson, they really opened me up to history again. And, and when they started talking about that, the pyramids in Egypt and that timeline could be off. And then I was like, okay, that set me on a, on on a trail towards, starting to look back into history again. And then all of a sudden came 2020 where, you know, everything just blew up and, you know, uh, Q was out there uh, putting a lot of information out, some true, some false. Um, and there were a lot of people that were in the podcast game that kind of really perked my interest. So I really got into them. And then the, the thing that set me over the top was Howdy McCoskey's book. Um, exposing the expositions on the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. And I read that and I, you know, for probably about a week, I walked around in a daze just wondering, like, what is real? You know, what is what is reality now? Because after reading that, I started seeing that there was something wrong. Right. There was something inconsistent with what I had learned throughout my formal education and what I'm learning now in a matter of, you know, uh, a couple of days reading this book. It just it just shook everything. And and, you know, I've always been into, alter, like I said, alternate history, but this pushed me into the old world. And ever since then, I've been, <laughs> you know, they say you go down the rabbit hole and this is the ultimate rabbit hole. Because oh, yeah. as, as you go down into it and, you know, a lot of people want to, and we can talk about that too. Want to people call it what well, people want to call it Tartaria. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of a catchphrase that, you know, lets people know what you're talking about. But I've been actually doing some research into the actual Tartaria and, and we'll be putting that out in a couple of weeks. Um, but I found, you know, cause it did exist as a land, but this idea of, of everything else, um, that you see out there. It's, I I don't believe it's all tied to it. It could be, and I could be wrong. And that's part of my show too, is I don't want to tell you that I know anything because I don't really, you know, I know what I've read. I know what I've seen, but that's just, 
somebody else's interpretation, right? So um, when you, when it comes down to it, I want people to, to just think, right. And that's what got me into the podcast. And my friend Ryan from the dangerous world podcast, uh, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have a podcast because he just kept pushing me, you know, you got to get a podcast, bud. you got you got to do it. Just start it and see how it goes. And I was like, ah, I, I just, I didn't really want to do it. And then I started it and I started doing a few more shows with him and some other people like Mark and, um, uh, and the occult rejects, my buddy, uh, uh, New York Patriot over there. Uh, we did a couple shows and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And yeah. I started in September. And so now I'm, you know, I'm probably what about five, six months in and, you know, between my show, the great deception podcast and every Monday I do a, uh, a little round table with four to five people called the Monday night master debaters. You know, I got almost 50 shows out there now and it's like, okay, it's starting to gain some momentum and, you know, I'm starting to get in a groove and cause I, I know you do a solo, so it's not easy doing a solo podcast. No. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And I, I didn't start out this way. I started uh, a music podcast back in like 2010 and uh, I did like 130. 70 episodes and then got away from podcasting and then came back in 2018 and it was still music I was, even it was more like a visual and then 2020 hit and then uh i found our my wife and i we moved three weeks into into the lockdowns because i was like you know what i i'm gonna tune into alex jones for a minute because i had I had let him go back in 2016 because there was so much, there was something fishy about how he was portraying Donald Trump. And so I, I was very suspicious. And so I decided to just tune it out completely. And uh, I'm kind of glad I did because it, it was giving me a false perception of like who he was. And like, I, you know, it just felt like he was just controlled opposition and, I just had a hard time finding any 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 alternative truth out there that was that felt real. It, it all just felt like you know, like I used to listen to Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, and um, all those like right leaning talk shows, and they were all saying the same thing. And I was like, you know, they're not talking about real issues. And so I just got away from it all. And right around 2020, when that happened, um, I was like. I knew about all the China stuff, but nobody on the right was even mentioning it until it, until it happened. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was very suspicious as well. So when it finally got here, you know, I was like telling my friends, you know, you need to stock up because the, the grocery stores are going to be wiped out. And my friend was like, how did you know? You know, cause after everything got locked down, the stores were empty. And I was like, well, it's cause I pay attention to stuff that's not on mainstream. And so I was like showing him all this stuff and he was like, oh, wow, this, this is just too much information. And then that's around the time that I discovered like this whole historical lie and like, all right, there's a possibility that we're not living on a spinning ball because I had always, you know, since 2014, I had always, I looked at all the, the information and I was like, you know what, none of this stuff adds up, adds up. you know, they, they try to tell us that we're flying in infinite space at 1.9 nine miles, 1.3 million miles an hour. And I'm like, there's no empirical way we can, we can detect how fast we're moving if we're moving that fast at all. And then per, per, uh, perseverance, is that, is that what the, the spaceship that they launched to Mars? And oh, the, yeah. 
Yeah. And they try to tell us that it flew at, you know, 248,000 miles an hour and, and it got to Mars within seven months. And I was like, that is just impossible. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I did this research and I, and I went to space.com and they archived in an article back in 2004 that they had ion tech, this ion propulsion technology that could had infinite speeds that they could reach with this ion propulsion. And then they took that article down because someone did the research and discovered that they can't replicate that. And so MIT had done a study and then another independent researcher did the study and they could not make ion propulsion work in a vacuum. And that's another thing. We can't, we can't replicate what this so-called space vacuum is on earth because we don't have the technology. You have this like a uh, big facility up in Cleveland, Ohio, but it only, uh, it, it doesn't even reach the magnitude of, of the, the negative force that it creates out in space. And they couldn't, make the ion propulsion work so i was like okay so we really can't fly in space <laughs> yeah <laughs> so all these things were happening in 2020 and and at the end that's when i came across howdy mccoskey's video and my wife and i were watching and i was like oh my god look at all this stuff and it was just hundreds of acres of just this massive structures that that were here I'm like, there is no freaking way when we have horse and buggy making, building this stuff, transporting all of this like masonry and, and marble. And they try to tell us that it's like all fake. And you know, I mean, that, that it was just made out of like wood and, and stucco. And I'm like, that, that's not possible. They have 300,000 people in a stadium and then tear it down in six months. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because you, I mean, and that's why I have it as my background because I'm just amazed by that Chicago. And if you haven't seen it, folks, just look at the picture of Chicago, 1893 with uh, the statue Columbia. Uh, you'll see her back and just looking through the court at, at the buildings and it looks like ancient Rome and right. you look at it and, and you listen to the story. Okay. So for anyone not aware, Chicago, where they built the world's fair was a swampland. Okay, and and now we're talking 1893 or early 1890s is when they started planning it. So we're not talking modern tools. We're talking horse and buggy for the most part. We're talking uh, trains as your main, you know, way for transportation and moving materials. Um, and then you start looking into the fair. Okay, so they built it on swamplands, almost 700 acres. Okay, and. You think about that alone. Okay. That's a monumental task in itself. Now they're going to tell you we on that swampland in a two year time frame, we were able to put up around 150 to 200 buildings. And you're like, okay, in all right. Years. Well, yeah, if it's, <laughs> if it's houses, I could see that, you know, small huts. Yeah, sure. No problem. And then you start looking at the buildings. Okay. And you look at it and you look, you know, it's like ancient Rome. These things are massive. They are decorated in ornate fashions, right? The, the um, largest building at the fair could house 300,000 people. That's three football stadiums, guys. For those of you that you know, can't really picture that, that's three football stadiums full of people. And that was one of the buildings that they built mm -hmm. in two years. Okay, so it just... And you start going into it and then you find out that they had electricity 
you see, you start finding all of the, you know, and you just look at the, uh, the landscaping alone. I mean, you have these ornate statues, like I said, the buildings with the domed roofs and, and, and now the one thing I want people to understand and, and from what I'm, I'm finding in my research is, you know, and what Howdy says is right, that they did build buildings, right? Not all of this was here. And, and in fact, um, they built a lot of buildings for these fairs, but they were the outbuildings. They weren't the main attractions for the most part. And, and, what, and ha- how do you know that? Well, there's not a lot of construction photos, um, there's yet to be found any blueprints of any of these buildings. Um, when it came to time for maintenance, they didn't know how to repair the buildings. Um, so what do they do at the end of the fair guys? So they, they build up this, this fair, uh, close to 200 buildings. They spend, you know, uh, two years supposedly building it horse and buggy. And then they tell you that they bring in 27 million people over a six-month time frame. Yep. Now, where are all these people staying? Where are they, where are they eating? Where's all the transportation? And you just start looking and breaking it down, and, break, and it just doesn't make any sense. And then you get to the end of it. You get to the end of the fair, and all of a sudden, fires start breaking out. And all of the buildings, except for a hand in Chicago, there were two, there's two buildings that remain today. Oh, there's four in total. Uh, two are in Chicago and two are moved offsite. Um, one's in Maine. One I believe is in Michigan. Um, but all the buildings burn. And then you go to some other fairs. Like you look at, uh, you know, Philadelphia in 1876 in America same thing happens. They build this whole thing up and all of a sudden there's these fires that burn everything down except for a building or two. Then you go to New Orleans and same thing, right? They they build up all the, you know, uh, New Orleans was a smaller one. They only built like 20 buildings or so, but then they all go away at the end of the fair. Right. And then you think about it and, and, you and I aren't great businessmen, but any businessman knows that if you're going to invest in something, you're not going to invest to lose money. Right. And the majority of these fairs lost money. And we're not talking like little, we're talking millions of dollars, these things lost. Yeah. So it, it just makes you, th- you start putting the picture together and asking yourself, why? Why would they keep reproducing these fairs only to lose money? Cause that's, you know, that's what it was. It'd, it'd be like having, uh, you know, your annual carnival, right. And, but it kept losing money Would you think they would keep having it. No. Or, or they, would they scale it down a little bit? These things got bigger and bigger. I mean, St. Louis in 1904 was over 1100 acres. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're taught it, it's tremendous. And yeah, they, they took that Ferris wheel from the, the Chicago World's Fair and they brought it to St. Louis, which carried thousands of people. They have never rebuilt that that model. And it- no, each car, each car on the Ferris wheel could hold bet- around 260 people. That's insane. Yeah. A freaking Ferris wheel. And and but what you said is insane, right? Supposedly they broke it down, transported it to St. Louis, and then rebuilt it. I yep. mean, that's the same story they use if, if anyone's interested in the 1851 
uh, fair in London where they built the Chris, supposedly built the Crystal Palace. Yeah. Now go check out that building. That building is another one that it's a it's a glass structure. It's about uh, eighteen hundred and fifty feet wide or long by a couple hundred feet wide, all glass and wrought iron uh, on the frame. And so we're talking thousands of pieces of glass in 1850. And we're not talking like small, we're talking huge sheets. We're talking rounded glass. Mm -hmm. And where did they get all the materials from? Right. And then to top it off, they said, okay, after the fair, they broke down that crystal palace and then rebuilt it inside them a couple towns over. And it's like, guys, the, you know, the narrative is just so preposterous that it yeah. doesn't, you know, like we mentioned the materials, where did they get all of the, even if it's just straight lumber, because yeah. you look in the construction photos and yeah, you'll see some, some um, lumber framing, but you look at a mo- the majority of the pictures, there's no supplies on the ground while they're building these supposedly doing construction there's no people around there's like one or two people in the picture there's never anybody working right. and you think about this these being such yeah these being such symbolic um pieces like they sold tickets to people to watch the fair be built in chicago and people would go there and and, and sit on and watch them build these buildings supposedly but nobody took a picture right. <laughs> you know it's oh, just the pictures weren't it's, allowed it's well, well, they did. They did allow them, but what they did was they put the price so high that you or I couldn't afford it. The regular person couldn't afford it. it, it you know, the rich could. Um, you know, for for you know, do you know the um, like a standing camera, the old box camera where they throw the hood over them? Right. To have one of those at the fair cost as much as the entire trip for the fair for a person. So just That's to let you know is. how they didn't want you to, to take any pictures or anything. So, but I mean, and that's, you know, you can go through the list of world's fairs, Buffalo. Um, we had a president assassinated at that world fair. Buffalo um, didn't make sense either because at that time, uh, what year was it? Was the, 1901, the 1901. There was only 20,000 people there. Yes. And, we're expected to believe that they built all these structures, massive structures. Um, and they built it in record time. Like, I mean, I, where are all these people come from? My, my theory is that these, I mean, Howdy said this numerous times, these are indoctrination camps. And so when, he, when they had all those orphan trains and they were shipping people across the country and, you know, supposedly helping people with farms and stuff. Um, when they were old enough, like 18 or, or 16, whenever they were departed from those farms, what they did is they put them, they put them all in trains and they took them to these, these re-education camps called World Fairs. And so that's how they got just millions of people to attend these, these fairs over such, short, such a short amount of time. And so all every one of these buildings were like, okay, this is this is how India looks, this is how Japan looks, and this is how, you know, the war, they were painting a picture of the entire world. And so you got a certificate at the end of these fairs, and so they were painting this historical narrative and re-educating everybody. So when they went out into the real world and got jobs, this is all they knew. 
And, so, and it only took one generation, right? right? And that's all it took. And it, it, it's fascinating because you look at, especially Chicago, Chicago is one of the most racist world fairs ever. Oh, yeah. Um, from the name alone, the Great White City. The whole purpose of it was to show the European dominance, not only in Europe, but in America. And, mm-hmm. and that America was going to be their beacon. Right. And, and what did they have there? They had uh, baby incubators where they would have children on display in these incubator machines. Where did they get all the children for those machines? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, it's, it's, and, and, you know, you had baby uh, displays at like Coney Island in the early 1900s with the same thing. And it's, it's this idea of, of re-education. And I, I, you absolutely nailed it on the head. These things were indoctrination camps. They had human zoos at yep. these world fairs where they would take native peoples and show you what their life was like and in, in a zoo environment. Mm-hmm. To ma- and, and if that doesn't you know, tell you everything, that they thought of these people as less than. Mm-hmm. They were not up to the standard of the great white European. Yeah. And look at these savages. Look how, how primitive they are. Exactly. And, and, and if you think about it, though, what were the savages really? The savages were the people who were connected to the land. They were the old world. They were the old believers. And that's one of the things I'm finding in, in my research of uh, actual Tartaria is that the battle between the state of Russia and the Tartarian people was that they didn't want to be ruled. They lived by the old beliefs, the old ways, and they didn't want to have anyone tell them how to live. And and that's what we're seeing here is that this is the takeover. This is the industrial a industrial revolution takeover here. And they are showing you what once was and 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 giving you a glimpse of the past greatness. And then you go into these buildings and they're showing you all of the technology of the day and of the future and what you're going to have. So you're absolutely spot on with the, the whole indoctrination thing. And these things were so massive that you couldn't even take everything in in one day, that you uh-huh. had to spend time there, right? So they really had a chance to ingrain it in your brain. It wasn't like, you know, you go to Six Flags Great Adventure and you go ride a few rides for the day and you're gone and you know, you might remember one or two of them by the end. No, this was, you know, many people went for multiple days and, and it, you know, it was a slow burn almost that they just, you know, and you watch a lot of these people. One of the most fascinating quotes I've, I found in all my research on this is that one of the people said that it's these people walked around almost like they were under a spell. And it was, you know, it wasn't reality. You know, there was, you watch the video, what little video there is, but you see the people, they're just walking around, kind of just taking everything in. They're not really talking. They're not really, you know, yeah. going, going through what normal people would do. They look out and of place. That, yeah. And it's very similar. If you think about it nowadays, when people go to Disneyland, <laughs> you know, it's a very similar setup. And uh, my buddy, um, old scary world who has a great uh, YouTube channel on, uh, on a lot of the old world stuff. He brought up a point that blew my mind when he said, if you break down Disneyland in German, it's this new land or this new land or this new country. 
And you think about Disney and they basically took the took the torch in the you know late 50s, early 60s and have run with it since in yeah. this indoctrination into the into the new way, the subliminal programming. And that and that's what this is all about. It's it's destruction of the old way where people were connected to the earth, you know, and, and you look at the buildings and some say the buildings had you know, they were more than just buildings. Mm-hmm. Some say, you know, like cathedrals originally were, were healing centers. Um, I, I definitely and, believe that. Oh, without a doubt. You look at the, the intricate design, the use of uh, sacred geometry in their design and layout, the cymatics in the windows, uh, which weren't windows, by the way. When, when they were originally built, those, there would, wouldn't have been glass in there. It would have been open, so it could have sent out. Yep that that uh frequency and and where did the frequency come from it came from the organs within and and it's just a it's such a beautiful you know and that's why i'm I'm so fascinated by the old world because they were they were working with nature whereas today we are just straight consumers of nature and you can only do that for so long before it impacts everything around you and you have to get there's that you know it's like the wave right where the wave eventually evens out over time Mm -hmm. and and you know (laughs) they just set forth on this and you look throughout the 1800s and i mean you can start with 18 you know go to louisiana purchase where we got that from france and from then then on it was basically that was our passport to say okay guys here you go you can go west and go take out those savages we can't do it ourselves we'll let you do it and and so then what do they do they start the world war of zero which is the war right. of 1812 where you have war in america with France involved and England involved. And then you have war in Europe with France involved in Napoleon. So in that, you know, you look at Napoleon going after Russia. Well, where was Tartary supposedly that was in Western Russia. Yeah. So, but uh, you know what I'm, what I'm learning is by the time we got to Napoleon to 1812, Russia had pretty much already done in the old ways of the Tartarian people. Um, and and by and, and there is a little uh, co- uh, coincidence between the end of Tartaria and the start of America, which I find interesting because the Russians uh, went through a three-year battle with uh, they called it a revolt, a peasant revolt, but in reality it was the basically the last stand of of the Tartarian people um, against Russia, and uh, Russia won in. 74 1774 or 1775 now if you think about that if tartary is you know it went from eastern russia all the way across through siberia and some like anatoly fomenko says that it went across the bering strait into canada and much of the united states the much of the western united states was also their land at one time right and and so if you think about that when if 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 that dynasty is being killed off in 1775 america starts up and declares independence in 1776 yeah so what fomenko is saying is that essentially the uh american you know the romanovs when they destroyed the tartarians they were able to open up western america um because if you look at a lot of the old maps 
it's it's fascinating because you look at like uh, Western Canada or California, uh, Oregon, Washington, you know, the whole West Coast, it's usually blank. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing there. There's a lot of detail of mountains and everything on the rest of the United States, but up there, there's nothing. And and what Fomenko is saying is that the the Tartarian people or whoever was ruling that land would not let the Europeans in. So they didn't know when they were drawing these maps, what was there. They just knew the land was there, but they didn't know what was there. And so I find that to be a, a fascinating little rabbit hole. I haven't dug totally into it, but I'm on the surface of it right now. Yeah. Cause I I've looked at those maps as well in, it's hard to decipher when these began or what er- what time period they actually came from because when you look at the the maps i mean they kind of like there there's a line and then the the line just kind of disappears like as if it goes into this unknown abyss like the 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 cartographers of that time stopped venturing off into that area and they weren't able to connect the lands or that was done intentionally just to confuse people because you know mm-hmm. none of the maps that we have today are accurate in any sense. I mean, the military has, you know, I mean, e- even military personnel only has very specific maps that they have access to. It's wherever they're headed to, and everything's sectioned in small, you know, small areas, which you know they don't want military personnel having too much information. So they they are only concerned about what they're targeting. And that's it. But uh, as far as like a world map, I mean, there's only like a small number of people that have access to the real information. And, and it's not us. That's for sure. No. <laughs> no, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. And and it's interesting about maps because I've been reading. I'm fascinated by especially the old maps because like that's I feel like that's kind of a a, a key to, you know, let you in the door to see what was going on, who was where. Um, what types of relationships there might have been. Um, and and one of the interesting things is that you find some of the older maps have more detail than the newer maps, which leads you to believe that they might not be as old as you're led to believe. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, in that Scalinger really did a number on history. And there are, you know, some thoughts out there that he may have corrupted a lot of maps as well. Um, and, and that's why I say to everybody, you have to use discernment with all of this, yeah. you know, and, and the information, even the information I'm providing to you today, I don't know any of this stuff. I don't no. know it for fact, but I've read it in multiple texts. So I feel comfortable with it that it is, you know, real in, in the data sense, but I can't tell you for a hundred percent certain that this is, this is reality, but what you can do is if you read enough, and this is what, you know, one of the things that Howdy says that really changed the way I think of things, because I was always trying to prove things. And he said, you're never going to prove anything. What you yeah. have to do is just disprove the lies. And once you start doing that and you disprove enough of the lies, it shows you a different picture. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I'm at now is I'm not, I'm not reinventing history. I'm just trying to find out what lies don't make sense. And then, okay, if you, if that doesn't make sense, what would make sense? You have to be able to provide an alternative too, because you just can't say, oh, that's, that's BS. 
you know, yeah. and then go on. That's not how this works. You know, you have to have some some justification for it because there's a lot of people out there that'll just regurgitate the same things over and over again. Oh, yeah. And and I get, you have I get to, tired of it. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's why, you know, and that's why with my podcast, I, you know, I honestly, I'm a junkie when it comes to it. I, I listen to probably a couple hours a day of different people's stuff, but I've cut back lately because of that reason, it's become very echo chambery. The the yeah. topics of conversation have very have really narrowed down, and and a lot of people aren't coming out with any new material. And it's so hard. I'm trying to yeah it, oh it's it's difficult, especially when you're in the area that we're in, right? Because you're hearing certain things, and you're like, oh, that's a great idea. Well, but that person already did it, you know. So and that's another uh, reason why I don't want to listen to a lot of people because I don't want to start regurgitating their information um but there are certain folks that i will listen to religiously you know like michelle gibson and howie and john levy and the great folks at autodidactic and you know there's so many good smaller youtube pages out there that i you know i just love going and and like i said before my friend old scary world he has a great youtube page where he just puts out you know short clips of old uh pictures and that's his thing He's yeah. looking for pictures that people haven't seen because, you know, that's that's one of the things I like to do. I don't is, know where he finds his stuff, but it's like fascinating. It's the really. way back machine, man. Yeah. There, it, and, and I'm into it, too. Now, I mean, it's a it, it is a fascinating thing. If you guys are into the old world, dig into the way back machine, because what I've done is instead of going the route that everybody else goes, I'm going to the source. I'm going back to the 1890s material. Um, I found a great um, magazine on the Chicago World Fair from like a year before the fair even came out when they were talking about it and showing. And I actually saw some construction photos for the first time. Um, So you will find more information as you start going into the archives, because, uh, you know, the easy way is to just go Google or DuckDuckGo and type it in and you're just going to get the same narrative that's already out there. To get new information, we have to start digging into the old source materials. Now, I put a caveat with those as well, because think about the Bible, right? Even that has been corrupted, you know, or or narrowed down. So everything that's out there, even if it has an 1800s date on it, it may not be legitimate. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt and use discernment with everything that you consume. Yeah, what I've noticed, like even the the... Because I, I bought a Bible as a prop, and I was starting to look at it, and I was wondering how much information was taken out. And there, there were like little words here and there that is different from the original text when I was learning, you know, when as a kid. And uh, just little, just certain words will change the whole dynamic of what you're reading. Well, and then there's this whole book that was taken out. Yeah, this this oh, is the the apocryphal. The- These are all. Uh, rejected scriptures from the apocrypha so yeah (laughs) they've they've narrowed it down from you know i use it as a prop for my uh my laptop it's such a thick book but (laughs) but no like i mean yeah you think it's stories like the book of enoch that they took out um there's so many stories and you wonder why right you wonder why because at there are certain sects that still include it like the book of enoch is in the ethiopian bible Um, it's, it's one of the cornerstones of their Bible. Um, but you start looking at it and you're like, and that's why when I start reading books, I, I, 
not only do I read the book, but then I'll look about the author as well, because you can start seeing certain clues or certain names that will set off alarms in your head over time. Um, like, I don't know if many people are familiar with a gentleman by the name of H.H. Bancroft, who he basically wrote American history for the West right. and for the natives. Um, and he's an interesting guy because he came from Buffalo, which right there, you know, when we think about the World Fair, when anytime you're talking old world and, and, and the two coincide, it's very interesting. And he went from Buffalo in 1850 out to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Now, why did he go out there? He went out there to collect books. What books are going to be in San Francisco in 1850 if the gold rush is just hap- just started in 1849, supposedly? Especially so, when it was just a bunch of cowboys and miners that went west. And so they probably didn't carry a whole lot of books on their way. No. Yeah, they might have had a map or two, but that was yeah. it. Right? right. I mean, they're not. Yeah. These guys aren't scholars that are going out there. And and so what what, you know, it leads me to believe is he was sent out there to find books, anything that's out there, collect it, evaluate it. And then we're going to put out our version to fit the narrative that we want to be told. Unless he was there to investigate all the existing buildings along the way, you know, like in, in Cleveland and St. Louis and Chicago and, you know, in Utah, which there was all these structures that were still there and abandoned, not in use until, until the 1800s. So it's possible he could have gone to each one of those buildings and found those books that were there. You and, know? and that's, that's one of the things I'm thinking too, is it was a cross country trip and we'll make some stops along the way and check in at key cities, you know, like the ones that just so happen to have a world fair in them. And we might go try and find a library, you know, that you'd think you see all these beautiful buildings in the background here and you think, ah, they might've had some books in there. You know, that looks yeah. like a pretty civilized culture that, that probably had some reading material and where did it go? Yeah. Well, it was just like in, in Utah, I mean, there was these giant um, notoriums where they had these natural springs and there's massive buildings that just were in the middle of nowhere. Just, just like all these world fairs were out in the middle of nowhere and you know, they attracted all these millions of people, but they had these giant pools, kind of like the ones that they had in like England and like Italy, where they would, they were there to regenerate your, you know, there were like uh, magnesium baths mm-hmm. and, um, and magnesium. If you ever taken a magnesium baths, it is just healing it. It, it, with, it draws all the toxins out of your body. Oh, it's so, so invigorating. Yeah. And there's nothing like it, but these natural pools would have these, you know, the, the, you know, people would just go in there and they were healing centers, really. Natural, but, right? Yeah. Natural. They didn't go to a pharmacy. They went no. to the earth. They went back to mother nature. Right. So that's one of, <laughs> I've been uncovering so much stuff in the last like six months. And in, in, in uh, December, I decided to just take a break from interviewing and I wanted to work on a book because I've, I've come across so much information that, I'm trying to write a collection of like all my discoveries over the last two years and kind of catalog everything, you know, to help wake up people who I just kind of like 
and bring this stuff up in conversation. And then they're just like, oh, that's not possible. I mean, I believe in science and, you know, I've taken the vaccine, you know, the <laughs> vaccine and, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, and I want them to be aware, like, stop, you know, turn off your television and, and, and be in the moment because we're, we, I mean, I was deceived for many years and most of my life, I was just in a, in a fog in kind of like this deep sleep, even when I discovered that 9-11 was, was a falsity and JFK was, was another conspiracy and, you know, John F. Kennedy Jr. I mean, they weren't even scratching the surface of, of like the real truth out there. And, you know, when, when 2020 rolled around and I, I discovered like this whole flat earth deception and there was this like, okay, well, you know, I, I came across the whole disc in space nonsense which is to kind of like make flat earthers look crazy when they're doing a really good job at it too so i mean you, you try to search anything on google or youtube and that's what you're going to find we're just going to we're just a bunch of lunatics that have no idea what science is and that whole part of the deception is like hiding history and and, and a lot of my research is you know you can tie it down to like John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie and how they put money into the Guggenheim and the, the Smithsonian and how they were able to p- place their historians that they wanted to put into society and in the education and, and like, you know, the, the universities and to program people into believing a certain narrative. And so our entire history has just been wiped clean and they've painted this whole new world of deception and lies and it's and we need to try to undo it the those of us that know need to undo it yeah and that's the that's the tough part right is is knowing and seeing it and then trying to walk that tightrope of how do i get others to see it right because in the beginning when you first start doing this and you start seeing it you just want to tell everybody you know, you want to, you want to, sh- you know, wake everyone up and be like, Hey, listen, do you see what I just found? They're, they're doing this. They're doing that. We sound and, like lunatics. <laughs> oh, and then you start seeing that, that stare, right? You get that blank stare and the jaw drops a little bit and you're like, Oh no, I'm like, I just broke their brain. And you realize over time that there's, there's a, a subtle approach you have to take. And I love the idea that you have of doing a book. Because uh, I've been talking with a buddy of mine about doing a podcast series about that, about, you know, how to take the red pill, like how to slowly ease someone into this without sending them over the edge. You know, yeah. I mean, everybody reaches their breaking point at one point, And when you do realize it, it, you go through this stage where it's tough because your prism is broken. Everything that you knew or you thought you knew suddenly has a different feel to it. And, yeah. and that's where, you know, and that's why I wanted to do my podcast. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't plan on it being just history. I wanted to expose, you know, I, I'm big in, into, you know, things like Operation Paperclip and how the government works. Um, you know, I, I like exposing the Jesuits and, and their influence on things around the world. And, you know, there's so much to it. You know, you go back to the story of Columbus and, and that whole myth. I mean, I go through it with my son because I have an eight-year-old and it's tough because he goes to public school. We're in a small town. So it's not like, you know, the inner city public school. We, you know, it's very, we're in a rural town, very small. 
and and still has that small town feel to it. So they they you know do a great job teaching the kids, except the mainstream indoctrination, right? You get in, they still do, you know, at Thanksgiving, he was big into the pilgrims and we had a big discussion about the pilgrims and, you know, at <laughs> Christmas, I haven't broke the whole Santa thing to him yet, but it's like, you know, that whole thing, it's all about consumerism. You know, the whole idea that they wrap this up in a, a religious holiday, it's just, it's all about money. And when you start digging through this stuff, you start realizing it's about two things, money and control. Mm-hmm. And, and if you follow the money, it will lead to the control. And that's where you need to start looking. Right. And I, I've uncovered so much stuff. I, I kind of lost my train of thought because I was just listening to, I mean, you know, listening to what you were saying. And, and I had this great point that I wanted to bring up. And I, I think, um, oh, darn it. <laughs> I hate it when I have one of those brain farts. But um, yeah, I, I was... Um, you had mentioned that you talk about other stuff and on the last couple of episodes that you had on the, the, uh, the great, the master debaters, uh, you were talking about the music industry and, uh, entertainment with, um, who is it? Davy. Yep. Uh, Davy from, from red pill cartel and old scary world. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you guys were talking about so much stuff. Cause you know, when I was in LA, cause I, I, I lived there for about, uh, almost 12 years before we moved out here to Dallas, Texas. And uh, I tried so hard to get into, you know, to the, the inner circles of the music in- industry because that's where I wanted to be. I, I was a, so you were in the belly of the beast out there. Yeah, I, I was a Grammy 365 member. I, I volunteered as much as I could. I went to a lot of like these singer songwriter events and went to the, you know, the Grammy pre Grammy award shows and, you know, got to meet some great people. Um, I think I met the most number of people when i was driving for uber between night uh uh, 2016 to about 2019 when i stopped and um one um you know i met um john legend's agent and we actually went to his house and uh, he was telling me how uh hillary clinton wanted to have him perform at the at her inauguration show or one of her shows up in LA to get more people to donate to, to her, um, her campaign. And he declined it because, you know, she seemed like this very evil, distant person. And, you know, I was like, wow, this is coming from his agent. You know, he's like letting me in on the little secret. And, uh, you know, it, it just made me realize like, you know, the, the industry in LA, like the whole Hollywood scene, is just, you're just pining for something, you know, getting closer to the B system. And I'm so glad I left when I did because every one of those people, they're, they're following everything that's on mainstream. Like you can't go to a venue without showing proof that you have, you know, you've been vaccinated. Yep. And, um, and so I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in that. Cause my, my wife, she's, she's still a performer. She's a singer songwriter. She's about to release an album this year and she's made more money just performing at, local venues and getting more recognition and getting more notoriety, just being here in, in a, you know, Dallas, Texas, which isn't the best place for, for entertainment. Everybody thinks you need to go to Hollywood, but you, you in order to make it, you got to sell your soul and you have to be a certain age and you have to be gullible and just be ready for the mind control. You have to make it, you have to go to Hollywood to make it to their level. 
right? To, to make it, you can make it anywhere, especially nowadays in the digital age. And one of the guys I follow uh, in the music industry who's independent is uh, Ryan Upchurch. And that's one of the things that he says, because he's got people all the time. You know, he, he, he started in country, does a little bit of hip hop and rock and roll. He does a little bit of everything. Very talented guy. Interesting. But he stayed in his hometown the whole time. He's had record labels chasing him for five, six years now. And he just keeps shooting him down because he doesn't want to take that route. And, and anybody that asks him, you know, they're like, oh, I'm coming to Nashville to, you know, to make it. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, make it where you are. And then you can come here if you need to, because otherwise you're like you said, you're going to get wrapped up in it. You're going to do something you regret just to make it mm-hmm. and it's not worth it. And and a lot of people, you know, end up paying that price. You know, there, there are a lot of musicians who have sacrificed their lives to make it and be famous. Right. And uh, and, you know, you, you probably want to ask them at the end, was it worth it? And someone would probably say no. Someone would probably say yes. You know, it depends on the person, but you know, I'm not one of those. I can't, I, I, you know, I despise money. I'm not a money guy at all. I, you know, I, the whole concept of it gives me the, the, just the, uh, it's such a dirty <laughs> concept, you know? And right. I, we, we actually talked about it on the master debaters last week was that cause my buddy Ryan, he's like, Oh, I won't, I'm not ashamed to say it. I want to be rich. And I'm like, I, I get that, but I've seen ultra rich people. I used to work for really really wealthy people and it's not all it's cracked out to be yeah they have all the money to do whatever they want but there's still an emptiness there just because you have all that money you are not fulfilled as a person you just have more means to to go by and you know it's it's a lot of people lose that especially in today's day and age the tiktok era and everything they want fame right everybody wants to be you know famous they want to go viral and it's like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about the grind. It's yeah. about making it. It's it's the day by day process. And eventually you you catch your break and you've been doing, you've been putting the work in and your chance comes and, and now it's your time to shine. Not I'm going to get lucky off one video and ride it for the rest of my life. You know, ask Millie Vanilli how that went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely much happier living out here because we're not hustling to make ends meet and you know because in la we were making a lot of money but it was it, it was still it still felt like we were poor because you know a lot of people say if you make less than less than two hundred fifty thousand, you're you're living month week to week and we were living week to week and we had nothing to show yep. for it i mean I, anytime we had any kind of money we would splurge and spend you know 150 dollars on dinner and that that was I mean, we can, we didn't get to to really travel because everything was so damn expensive, and and it makes you think: is it worth it? You know, we work so hard just to live. Shouldn't yeah. it be the other way around, where we live, you know, or we live to work? We it should right. be we work just to live a little bit, you know, just put in a little bit, you know. And I think my my friend Kyle, uh, who does the conspiracy in the Force show, he's been focusing on this a lot lately. Um, you know, cause he has young kids too. And it's like, I wonder about that sometimes putting in, you know, we all put in our 50, 60 hours a week and, you know, you, you got your, your kids only get a couple hours and, you know, they want to, they ask you to play, but it's time to go get on the bus. And, you know, it's just like, why, why can't we just do what we want to do when we want to do it? And it's because of the system. 
That's right. the way the system has been set up that you have to. And not only did they, you know, and, and people laugh, they're like, oh, well, that's just, you know, no. Well, it's been set up this way. Yep. They, they, the, the whole woman's movement, the whole feminization movement of the 60s and 70s was to get women in the workforce because yep. then they could have two taxable incomes in each house. And then any children would then have to go to the state whether it's school, whether it's daycare, whether it's, you know, and they're out of the hands of the, the parents. And like you said, though, the money, is it worth it? And, and that's something I've been, I've been fighting myself with for a while now, because I, you know, I work a, a regular job. And then on the side, I was doing uh, coaching baseball and doing, uh, you know, baseball instruction and things like that on this as a side hustle. And it got to the point where I'd come home and I'd see my little man and, he'd be getting ready for bed. And I'd be like, man, I didn't even see him today. I saw him for like 10 minutes. Like, but I made, you know, I made some good money at, at doing my extra work at baseball. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't care how much you pay me. This little man is going to be out of the house in, a, you know, in, in a certain amount of time, I got to spend every minute I can with him as long as I can provide for him, you know, and, right. and P, different people have different approaches, but my, mine has been, you know, I feel like this world is a beautiful place. There's, you know, abundance everywhere if you believe in it. And and if you, you do the right thing and have a good attitude, yeah, shitty things are going to happen along the way. Yeah. But you, you pull your pants up, you get up, you dust yourself off, you keep moving forward, and you will be provided for. That's, you know, life is, it's not easy, but it's a journey. It's your experience, and you make out of it what you will. And that's why... You know, I love the old world. You know, it circles back to that all the time because it's such a fantastical place. When you start looking at it, if you take all the great sci-fi movies and combine them, there's probably a little bit of truth in each and every one of them. Oh, yeah. They don't just make up these stories out of nowhere. And, and they say that. They say a lot of creation comes from the ether, right? It comes yeah. to you from outside. And, and so it's, it, it was out there somewhere. And, yeah. uh, and I really, I think that as we dig into the old world, we'll start to understand our world better. And that's at least my hope. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle Gibson really inspired me to do all this research because she was like, you know, we need more boots on the ground. And, and so it's made me look at everything around me in, in a whole new perspective. Like my wife and I, thankfully she loves everything that I love and, you know, we go to like we went to San Antonio uh, last year and we just were walking around and we were noticing how old these structures were and how the 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 roads were just uneven. And there was all these like it looks like 20 feet of structure was just buried, you know, awkwardly in that the Alamo <clears throat> I'm going to be doing an interview with uh, Michelle Gibson next month and um and part of my presentation was like, like I was showing her like a map of the Alamo in what they were doing. They were protecting these old structures. It wasn't just about protecting the Alamo itself. It was, they were protecting this, like this, um, this building, which was the, the United States post office now, but before it was the, uh, uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember, but it was, uh, something about these, these Catholic organization for women back in the, the late 1800s. And that was taken over by taken over 
once the, the United States had uh, taken over that, that territory, they turned it into a post office. But for I don't know how long, but it was this other entity and it was like a religious thing for women. And uh, so like these structures that were there just probably hundreds of years. I mean, even the Alamo itself was, you know, was built in the early 1700s. It was probably built before that. And yeah. so we're told this whole Davy Crockett story, which sounds totally made up. All these characters and heroes and, and like, oh my, you know, all that, the whole storyline is probably just totally made up. But, you know, San Antonio is one of the oldest cities here in Texas. And it's fascinating. You know, we took one of those ghost tours and we were thinking, you know, we would hear the real history of, of San Antonio, but they didn't touch on anything. And I was like, all right, why are we talking about this building? Like, you know, what, what is, what was below and what was it before, you know? <laughs> yeah. And nobody and, knew and anything. That's, that's what you're not going to get. And that's, yeah. that's the disheartening part about it is that even these quote unquote historical places are not going to tell you the true story. I mean, I'm out, I'm out in Massachusetts and uh, I'm, I'm new to the area here. I, I've been in Connecticut for probably about 30 years or so. Um, yeah. But up here, and I was listening to, uh, I forgot which part, uh, the Veritas pro, uh, uh, podcast. Oh, Project Veritas. Yeah, uh, No, Veritas uh, by oh. Mel Hosterick. Oh, and okay. He was, he, yeah, he does some interesting interviews with uh, a lot of scholars and things like that. And he had this guy on who had done some um, work in my area and he had gone to the local museum here. Now, mind you, I'm in a very, very small town and, he, and for him to name the museum of the town I'm in, it's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, yeah, I went in there and he asked to see the journal of a guy who was around here because there were giant bones found in the area and it's on record and, but it's not displayed in the museum. It's in the archives. So you have to know about it to be able to see it. And and so much like you now, I'm fascinated by my area. So come springtime, when things thaw out a little bit, I'm yeah. going to start doing the whole boots on the ground approach myself and, and start checking out what's around here. Because out here, we have a ton of history. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, this this is just this area is just ripe with history all along the East Coast. So it'll be very interesting to see what, what we find along the way. Yeah. in the, the city of Rockwall, which is, you know, like 10 miles North of here. And, uh, um, someone had uncovered a wall that was buried, uh, like 20 feet below the surface. And it, it is uh, 20 square miles, this, this wall. And so he invited all these scholars from all the local universities, you know, like Texas A&M and Baylor university. And, um, they kind of pushed it off as like some natural phenomenon or it was built by aliens. And so <laughs> they, and then they also found remains of a skull, which fit what, you know, the, the scale of it would fit between a thousand to 1600 pound man. Yeah. And so that went off to, that got shipped off to who knows where, and it's just archived. Um, Most likely the Smithsonian. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's the, that's another thing you mentioned it before the Smithsonian Institute. I mean, that's one where they are the ultimate hiders of history. Yeah. And uh, you, you look at their creation, you know, even the building that they're in is an old world building that they took over and claimed and quote unquote yep. founded. Um, 
So yeah, they're, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Between the Smithsonian and the Vatican archives, if I can get two, you know, free passes, that's where I want to go because I, I feel like we could uncover so much of our true history if we could just get access to those spots. Um, yeah, good but, luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do we need to do to get there? It, it's, yeah, it's a monumental effort. But, you know, doing what we do and, you know, even us doing our little part of just exposing it and getting it to a few more years, it's it's going to, it's, it's cre- like I said before, it's creating that wave. We're just getting it out there and it's just started, you know, in, in, in reality, I mean, people have only been looking at this stuff for a handful of years, even the whole Tartaria idea concept didn't come in. It's less than a decade old in reality. So I think as we get more, you know, people looking at this and uh, start looking at some, you know, there's a lot of old texts in, you know, languages that, I don't read, but you know, that will have to get translated. And and I think there's a lot of information that is in the public domain now that we're finding and uncovering and, and it's, it's a day by day journey. You know, yeah. there's days when I think I, I feel like I know what's going on. And then there's other days where I feel totally clueless and, uh, and that that's the battle. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm 62 pages into my book and I feel like I haven't even touched what I would really want to talk about because I'm 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 constantly getting to this like rabbit hole of like all right once I try to prove and and cite cite where I'm getting this information it's leading me into another rabbit hole and now I'm kind of like in in between like the the robber baron era and like where the hidden lie originated from and it all ties into making this perfect worker and because they you know the andrew carnegie the you know jd rockefeller and henry ford they all wanted people to be able to work for them and they wanted to work them to the bone and just only focus on work and so they had to create this whole narrative of like well you know, if, if you believe we're spinning in space and it's endless, then there's no, poss- no possible room for, for God in that scenario. So this is the only life that we're going to know. And, you know, that's why it is very hard to become independent and just buy your own property and just live off the land because they only give us so much money to live where we live. If you want to live close to the metropolis where you have a good job, you can barely afford to, to feed your family and put enough away to, to put you get, send off your kids to college and they have the latest technology. And that's about it. You know, if you're wise, you put money away and you invest in something and you make it big, but then you're still caught up in that whole system of being asleep and you're, you're into sports and you still don't have time to investigate and look into like the realities of, of our, our realm. So we're just caught up in this like, you know, we're hamsters in wheels and we're just stuck in this like life. And I know for a fact, there's so much more out there. We need to be in tune with our frequencies and be closer to nature. And, and, you know, just walking out into the grass with your shoes off connects you to the earth and you can feel the positive vibrations. You can heal yourself without taking all these meds, you know, I mean, there's so much to life than just seeing what's on television. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. And that's what really woke me up was I, I was diagnosed in 2016 with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. 
And, you know, as being like a, a person in their late thirties and hearing that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I was athletic my whole life, you know, very active. I was like, man, how does this happen? Like, this isn't supposed to happen to me. You know, I, it, it's, it's mainly happens to women. It mainly happens to uh, people of color. And I'm like, well, I'm obviously none of those. How did I, you know, how does this happen? And, and so you start looking into it and it's all food-based, yep. you know, it's all, it, it all ends up going back to that. Yeah. And then you look at the other aspect that they don't look at in the medicine field, which is the mental side of it, you know, the psychosomatic side of it. And, and so I, you know, when I realized, and I went to a doctor and <laughs> I started doing my own research being the person that I am, where I, you know, you tell me I, you know, I'm going to have something. Okay. I'm going to find a way to beat it. How am I going to beat it? How am I going to get around this? And uh, I started doing my research. And when I went to the doctor, I would ask him questions and he would just, you know, kind of poo poo them. And then at the end of the thing, he'd be like, okay, so what prescription are we going to go with this time? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want prescriptions. You know, I want to do this naturally. And he's like, no, we, you got to get on something, you know? And okay. So I got on it and, and the whole time I'm doing my research and I'm having these awful side effects from this stuff I'm putting in my body. And I start reading it about it. And it's like, they use this medicine for abortions sometimes. And I'm like, what, what is going on here? I'm like, this can't be good. So I, I I said, you know what, I'll deal with whatever repercussions I have to deal with, but I'm getting out of this off of this system. And I just cold Turkey one day was like, Nope, I'm not going back to the doctor. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And I, uh, 2020 came I got divorced in 2020, you know, so the most stressful time in my life where this, you know, medical condition should be through the roof mentally and spiritually, I was at the most peace in my life. It all went away, but all the stress, you know, so it was, it was one of those where I started learning, Oh, it's not. And, and granted a lot of it was diet. You know, there was, I was very acidic in my diet and things like that, but the, the larger part of it was the stress of life. Yeah. It was the mounting bills that I had going on in my life. It was, you know, the, my marriage wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it was unfulfilling and, you know, and I had my son who is in the middle of all this and I'm like, well, what do I, how do I raise my son when, you know, I'm being told in 10 years, I might not be able to use my fingers anymore. I might, you know, have to, do something. So I was just at a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get myself right. I'm going to get some, some back to spirituality and, and try and, you know, like you're saying ground, you know, go outside a couple minutes a day with, with no shoes on. You know, I was one of those guys. I would, I would wear my socks at the beach, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I didn't, before I understood all <laughs> this, like I, I wanted, you know, protection you know i wore my sunglasses everywhere and oh yeah now it's like you know i i barely i don't even know if i own a pair of sunglasses anymore and you know it's it's, it's these little you. things that you know you thought were weird when you were younger you were told they were you know well why would you do that you know why why oh i'm you know go watch the tv you know don't go out outside you know that's yeah. nowadays whereas when we were kids my mom was grabbing us by the back of the shirt and couldn't throw us out of the house fast enough yeah 
Yeah, I, I you know, what I remember back when, uh, like mid 2000s, I mean, I was wearing SPF 100 because I thought the sun was bad for us, not, you yeah. know, just believing the science. And, you know, then later I discovered that all these sunblocks and the, the sprays that people are putting on is what's causing the cancer. And, you know, it, it took most of my life to freaking realize that everything that we've been buying is just contributing to our, to our slow and painful death. And like just recently, I discovered that, you know, uh, sunglasses uh, cause your body to not produce the melanin from the sun. So you should, every time you go outside, you should not wear sunglasses of any kind. The UV protection is, is bad for our skin. And yeah, uh, it's part of the reason why you get such bad sunburn. Yeah. And sun gazing was, was uh, kind of like, you know, don't look at the sun, you know, cause you'll go blind. And so we've, we believe that for most of our lives when really we need to, to gather uh, strength to be able to look at the sun, not directly into it, but around it and it has all these healing properties that we can just naturally tap into and uh and why do you think they wanted us to stay inside right they shut down the beaches during during this lockdown and everything it's like they don't want you to get the sun the sun is and why are they trying to block out the sun right i mean you think about all these things and it sounds crazy but when you put them all together you start to see this picture where you realize and understand that these people who go on television and tell you they're out for your best interests really don't give a damn about you. And, no. and they want you sick. They need you sick to be in their system. You're and more they profitable. Yes. And, and, and it's just, it's such a, a shame because between, like you said before, they want good workers. And, and when you said that, I, I thought back to old world and the Anunnaki. And supposedly the whole reason why we were created was to mine gold for them, right? That was the purpose of, of humans being created. And, <laughs> and, and I think about that and I'm like, wow, I'm like, yeah. And that, that great reset that happened in the 1800s with the industrial age, they did the same thing. They just mm-hmm. wanted to create the ultimate worker. They didn't want any questioning. They didn't want you to do be able to produce on your own because if you can produce on your own, you're not dependent on the system anymore. Right. So it's just a, it's one of those where it it does, everything is connected and you, you people laugh when they say, Oh, well, you know, if this is such a conspiracy, how come nobody talked about it? You know, how come nobody came forward and, and, and waved the flag that this is what's going on? Well, they'll lose their grants if they do. Yeah. One is yeah. Money. They're not yeah. going to do it because if they do come and speak out, they're either A, going to lose their livelihood or B, they're going to lose their life. Yeah. So the, one of two. And then on the other side of it, you start looking at it and they also control the information side. So even if you're trying to get the message out, it may not, it may fall upon deaf ears because you can't even get it out because they censor it to a point where your message is not getting out. So they've made it so that even if you do want to speak out, you, you won't. And then yeah. on the other side of it, they compartmentalize, right? Mm-hmm. Not like you said before about the maps with the army. No one person is going to have all of that control. It's going to be compartmentalized. One person will have one piece. Another group will have another piece. And they can come together and, and, and show the whole thing. But individually, they're useless. Yeah. So 
anyone that questions it, they, it is a very compartmentalized system. And listen, they've been doing it for hundreds of years. Oh yeah. And, it's nothing and, new. Or thousands of years, I should say. They've just been, it's the same playbook over and over and over again. And do they fail? Yeah, they fail a lot, but we don't see it. Right. And what do they do? They just regroup and re- go at it with a, with a different plan of attack or same plan of attack, just different players involved. Yeah. And as each new empire comes and wipes out another civilization, then they destroy all of their history, all their books. I mean, we, we try to blame everything on the Nazis, but it's been happening long before that. And yeah. so there's just wiping out little little parts of history. And so we really don't know how old this world is and how big it is. We don't know, you know, the, the actual shape of it. We, we don't know a lot of stuff. And, yeah. and it's all intentional. And only a small group of people have access to all of it, you know. And, and I always go back to the movies, like I, and I've already mentioned it here, but but I think there's truth in there. You oh, yeah. watch some of these movies, you know, even the King Kong, Kong versus Godzilla, where they're, you know, they're telling you about Hollow Earth and the firmament and things like that. They're giving us little clues in there as to All things the that are, are re- reality. And, uh, and but you just have to be willing to see it. And, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of people, like you said before, they're just into the bread and circus of it. They just want to, you know, they had a long day of work. They come home. They just want to relax. The last thing they want to do is have to think anymore. So what are they going to do? They're going to turn on the black mirror and just let their their brain go on autopilot versus taking that time and going and doing a little research, opening a book, you know, maybe watching a, a, a documentary on something that that could help you or, or let you know what's going on. And, I saw an interesting stat today that uh, uh, regarding what's going on right now in general, and, and it said about 40% of the people are adamant about their freedom. Uh, 30% are on the fence. They could go either way. And then there's 30% who are going to side with the government no matter what. They are just beyond you know, reproach. They're going to, they've been so well indoctrinated that no matter what, I mean, they could tell you they could be beating you over the head with a stick and tell you they're not beating you with a stick and you'd believe them. That's how, you know, and and I did an episode on this with a guy, uh, a Russian gentleman by the name of Yuri Bezmenov, Mm -hmm. who talked about the four uh, stages of basically the way that communism was going to overtake America. And it wasn't with any bullets. It was just simply with indoctrination and and behind the scenes programming and. You know, you look at it and we're at step three or four right now. Um, I mean, in one in one of the steps is you will be able to tell the people uh, the truth and they will tell you that you're lying. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried telling people that we've had warships outside of Ukraine since July of last year and no one believed it. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's on the news. It's like we've been there since July. Oh, well, because why? Because they weren't they, they weren't telling you that. Right. And we got we got distracted in August by Afghanistan. And then there's, you know, this and that. And that's I laugh because a buddy of mine texted, you know, I'm on a group chat with some friends and he texted a picture of uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who just hung himself, the child trafficker. I don't remember his name. He's friends with Epstein. Another one of those guys who who was found hanged in a jail cell yesterday. 
Um, oh, I and he's like, that. yeah, was it Jean Luc something French French guy? Um, <laughs> Card. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. yeah, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what he sent it to me, and he goes, he, he goes, uh, oh, you believe this? Another Epstein on our hands. I go, listen, man. I go, this is a distraction. I go, yeah. it's the same day they told you the queen has COVID. I go, they are trying to get you to look over here because something else is going on over there. And what that is, is look at what they're doing in Australia with using weapons on their people. And the same thing in Canada, peaceful protesters oh, yeah. being hit with batons, sprayed with mace, shot with rubber bullets. And it's like, that's what you have to realize. What they're showing you on the news is what they want you to pay attention to. It's not the real stories. Right. And, you know, and, and it's, it's disgusting because a lot of people just eat up that mainstream narrative and, and believe it all, all the way through. And, and that's what we're battling because we go out there and, and can have all the valid research and paperwork to show them. But if what they've heard on the news overrides that in their head, good luck. Yeah. The only way you can disseminate is by turning it off. You know, yes, they're not going to talk about what happened in, in Calgary the other day or today. I think it just started today. There's like a whole protest down there or up there. And is uh, there? Yeah. And so what they're doing in Ottawa is is almost the same thing as going on in Calgary. And then it's they're shutting down the streets. And uh, good. I mean, Trudeau needs to recognize what's really going on and stop just speaking for the WEF. You know. Well, yeah, we're, we're getting to a point where you have two choices, right? You can follow the authoritarians or you can follow the libertarians. You're either going to have liberty or you're going to have pure autocracy. And that's what they want. And that's mm-hmm. what they're pushing. And we've seen it for the last two years that you give them an inch, they will take a foot. And once you give up that inch, you're never getting it back. So anybody that says, oh, it's just a mask. Oh, it's just, you know just do it for just do it and it'll be over. No, no, because every time you cave, especially when it doesn't make sense, you, you have to understand that there's certain places to hold your ground and certain, you know, hills to die on, but there's others that you really, really have to hold your ground because Mm -hmm. if you start, if we start budging on them, it's going to, and one of the things is like our second amendment rights, right? You start looking at that and, How are they? They're not going to come and they're not going to just wholesale swoop up your guns. What they're going to do is they're going to slowly start limiting clip size. Then they're going to start limiting the the types of weapons you can have. Then they're going to start limiting the number of weapons you can have. And then it comes down to then you're stuck with something you can't defend yourself with. And you're at the point where you have to give it up. And that's how they're going to do it. It's it's not, you know, everybody thinks that they they operate in this very drastic manner no it's a slow drip and they slowly take it away from you until you by the time you realize it it's gone yeah and then they they've taken almost uh 100 and what 70 years (laughs) this slow drip yeah and it's coming to a head it is it is and you're but the funny thing is is we're starting to see some things that just don't make sense about today you know and 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 that's what we saw back then too with like you mentioned, you know, between the orphan trains and the rise of insane asylums. And I, yeah. I just really feel like the insane asylums were physical buildings, whereas today they just 
shadow ban or suspend you from social media. Right. And that's your that's your sentence, because I think you look at the timing of the insane asylums and that's right around the time of the reset. And, gee, what a good way to get rid of anyone who is not willing to accept the narrative and just label them as crazy. And I'm a little suspicious about the whole, you know, uh, insane asylums. And it just happened just so happens to be in the same time period that all these uh, these orphan trains were being. They were shipping all these kids out. So were they using these as baby making, you know, the asylums where they're mass producing all these kids and raping these women? I mean, who knows what was going on? But I, I don't think it was for the good of the people that no. they were doing something very sinister. Because you also see these large orphanages at this time. Right. I mean, and that's another one. It's it's like, where are all these kids coming from? And where did right. all the parents go? If 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 these are re, you know real legitimate babies, you know. But I, I'm much like you. I'm I'm trying to find that key that'll unlock this to say that they you know there was some genetic man- manipulation back then, and I, I think found... that's a possibility. You can't discount it yet, but you know when you look at the baby incubators, if they could if they could keep preemies alive, what's to say they couldn't create them? I found this book. It's called the the King's Handbook of New York, and it uh, catalogs all the orphanages, all the asylums, um, dating all the way back to the early like eighteen forty three. I think that's when they started cataloging all these asylums, and it's it's just amazing how many of these asylums just housed hundreds of people, not just dozens, but hundreds. Oh, hundreds! Yeah, they yeah. were they were full. You know, and our populations back in those days were were barely, you know, notable to have that many uh, rooms to each of these buildings. Like, why? You know, yeah. If we're talking, think about it. Chicago in the 1850s had about thirty five thousand people. You know, so we're talking we're talking small numbers here to have these massive. You know, like you're saying, hundreds of kids in in an orphanage. And and this wasn't in one area. This was across the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're absolutely right there. That 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 doesn't make sense. It doesn't one and one doesn't equal two there. No. Um, and where where do they? A lot of them came from Europe though. Um, there sure. and and that's another story. You start thinking about it. So you just put all these kids, no parents, on a ship and send them across the Atlantic mm-hmm. in the 1800s. It's like. I don't know. I mean, it, it goes along with like the slave ship narrative that, you know, how do you keep all these people alive if you have them in, you know, in these conditions? Yeah. I mean, that, that's another thing. Like the whole civil war, oh. like I just, that that's a, an onion that it just has multiple layers. Like, you know, and Michelle Gibson kind of barely touched the surface of like the, the, the batteries and in, in the star forts and, how they were used in the war, but were they really used for war? I mean, some of these battlegrounds had no cemeteries at all or, or uh, areas where there were supposedly all these dead bodies and there, there's none, you know. It, it's very puzzling how this whole historical narrative is just, I mean, there's lies everywhere. It, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. And especially in that period, right? We're talking the 1800s is such a wild time. You look at year after year 
And then you look at all the cities that were destroyed by fire. It's like, how does this happen? Yeah. How do all of these cities get destroyed by fire? You know, from the East Coast all the way across the Midwest. Every major city has a massive fire that basically, you know, in all purpose, it just destroys it. I mean, you're what? left with remnants. And then you look at the photographs and it looks like it was a, a blitzkrieg, you know, yeah. or a, a bombing raid because brick buildings are just into ru rubble and you know there's then you look across the way if you look at a you know a wide shot there's like one or two wood huts that survived mm -hmm. but yet these massive brick buildings are down <laughs> i mean it's funny I, that you mentioned blitzkrieg because if you think about it um they couldn't have enough fires quick enough and so when world war ii came around what better way to destroy evidence of the old world by having these these air raids and blitzkriegs. I mean, they were bombing each other in, in Germany and in England. I mean, I remember I was watching a video with my wife from a 1905 video of these trains that went through Germany and you could see the architecture. It was just massive, huge oh. buildings and beautiful and so technologically advanced and all gone. After World War II, all that stuff is gone. Yep. In France, Germany, Belgium, that whole area over there. I yeah. mean, they, and, and you look at it, it's 18, you know, it almost seems like 1812 was the start. And then you go to the Civil War. And in the Civil War, you look at like Sherman's March, and there is no explanation to that other than that was just to go eliminate anything from the old world. Yeah, I mean, what he did down there made no sense whatsoever to just totally raise areas. Um, and then you get into World War One and World War Two, and that's just finishing off Europe. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what it, it really feels like. And then you start getting into, I mean, even the modern day wars. You look at what happened in Syria. What were they doing? They were blowing up old buildings and old statues and when we went into Iraq, well, the first thing we did was go guard the museum, right? We got to get yeah. those, make sure those relics are okay. And, you know, it just, it really makes you wonder what, why, why are we fighting all these conflicts? Is it really about people or, or territory or is it about destroying the narrative? And that's, yeah. I'm with you in the sense that I think that the civil war story, as well as world war one and world war two the main purpose of it was destruction. Um, yeah. World War One was really their first worldwide organization. And they had to get rid of anybody who was defined against the their order. Because, you know, I, I think that Franz Ferdinand, it was another story about, you know, you know, his assassination started World War World War One. But, you know, he he was you know, I looked into his story and he was really kind of like the ambassador for all the countries. And he was keeping everybody at peace and doing trade and had this like economic thing that, that was keeping everybody still together. And the, the powers from like, you know, um, the people from the old world did, did not want what they, they wanted to be separate. And, and well, they, they wanted everybody to be as one. So we're we're under this guise of this separation between Russia and 
you know, the United States and England, but we're really closer than, than what they want us to, to believe, you know? And, and so I, I'm still, you know, uncovering all this stuff to put in my book, but, you know, I might have to have multiple books because it's, it's going to be so massive. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like you said though, what, what happens is you start going down one Avenue and three more branch off from that. And that's yeah. what this whole, you know, Tartaria thing did with me because I started, I started with the buildings mm-hmm. and then uh, that led into, you know, star forts and, or no, it went to crystal palaces because of the, uh, the 1851 world fair. And there are crystal palaces throughout the world um, in the 1850s. And every single one of them burns down. It's, it's crazy. Every single one of them has a fire. And then I was like, okay, that's interesting. Then I got into star forts and you start looking at them and, you know, every narrative that you read on them is that they were strictly a military defensive position. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, that doesn't seem to make sense for all the effort. Why would you, you know, require cymatic shapes and, uh, you know, all the use of water in them and their locations and how, you know, if you look at them on a map, how they interact with each other and and they're always within close proximity. There's usually, they're usually in tandem. Um, And the story just doesn't make sense. I mean, you look at the one in, uh, I think it's Fort Jefferson down in the Keys and it took 17 million bricks to build this thing. Where are you producing 17 million bricks? And not to mention it's in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah, they, and they built it in the 1850s. You know, that's, that's all that's. And, and, and supposedly in the 1850s in America, we built like 90 star forts, like 90 on top of, you know, I laugh because they had that, uh, what was it? The city beautiful movement in the, in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. Where they were, you know, and that was basically what they used at, to say that these old buildings were going to be the new buildings. And did this, it was just to beautify all these cities and, and bring up the architecture. And it lasted for like 20, 25 years. And then all of a sudden, the movement stops and we go to this modern era of architecture. And, uh, and it's just, it, it's fascinating. Because you, you, the, the possibilities are out there. You look at the cathedrals and like we talked about with, uh, you know, possible free energy with the ether using oh, yeah. ether and mercury and, and uh, all that. And you get into the radium fireplaces in, in these old buildings because there's no heat. And if yeah. you think, if you think burning wood in that fireplace is going to heat structures this size, you're out of your minds. And that's one of the things I always wondered as a kid was we watched all these movies with castles and it's like, how did they keep the castles warm? Yeah. Right. I mean, these are these big rock buildings and massive, and they just have this little fireplace in there to heat this huge room. Like, how does that, how does that work? Cause I know right. in my parents' house, we got like a, you know, a 20 by 20 living room and it barely stays warm with the fireplace blaring. Yeah. Hey, I, I did see, um, I, I don't know what I was watching or looking at, but all the, the pot belly stoves, they were all made out of radium mm-hmm. and, uh, we would never make that now at all. No, and, no. And they, and, and they, you know, they, they ruined a lot of those by putting wood in there and burning logs in them. They would, they would try and do it. And you look, 
look at the buildings. The chimneys don't match the buildings. No, like the chimneys were obviously put on after the fact um, in a lot of these buildings because it doesn't match the architecture whatsoever. So, yeah, there's just there's so many things. And that's just the, you know, the land side of it. Then you start getting into the people and, and the players of of who are these like you were mentioning the robber barons before and you start yeah. getting into the vatican and the jesuits and the kazarians and all these different groups that all have their hand in this plan yeah. now <laughs> the plan i you know doesn't benefit us um and and from you know i have a uh, a friend of mine who does podcasts and he says it's all babylonian arts is is what these people are practicing they're all saturn worshipers that you know yeah. want to get back to that old way of of life when we were in that era um have you looked into or much about the uh the millennial reign of christ that thousand year reign of christ uh, a little um yeah because that's one of, of the things that recently has has really interested me because if you know the other thing that's out there is the timeline deception you know, you look at some, there's people that say we're off by a thousand years. There's some people Definitely. say three to 700 years have been manipulated. And I mean, that's a whole fascinating thing in itself. When you look at the dating and I know around I'm, I'm in, I said, Massachusetts, and there's a lot of old stuff out here. And, uh, I've noticed on a couple of, of, uh, plaques or, or, you know, old buildings, you see that I, in front of the, you know, 1850 or whatever. And I was like, I always wondered about that. And so it's out there. It's like approximate. We don't know. Yeah. And with all the weather modifications, we really can't tell what season that we're currently in because the the calendars are so far off that, you know, winters last longer. The summers are not in the correct place. You know, they try to blame it on climate change, but we're responsible for climate change. Over 40 countries are participating in weather modifications. And in Texas, it began in 1951. And we have three locations that are not that far from Dallas where they have these cloud seeding plants. And they just, you can tell by just looking at the sky because everything is so damn flat that yep. you can see for, for hundreds of miles and you can see where it's coming from. I just don't know exactly where, but um, I came across a website. It's a government site. It shows ex- exactly where the cloud seeding projects are in, in, in Texas and they're pretty far west. So I'd, I'd have to take a day to, to go out there and, and try to see one. But uh, because we're manipulating the weather so much, we, we have no idea what natural weather really looks like because it's been happening my entire life and oh yeah yeah and that goes back to the you know the the first known was in vietnam during operation popeye where they basically just seeded the clouds to flood the ho chi minh trail and tried to flood out the Viet Cong, and Mm -hmm. uh they did it for a couple months and you know people are like oh no that you know that weather manipulation is all conspiracy theory i'm like no it's it's not you just have to go research. There are, it is well documented that we've been doing this for a long time. And if it's been documented for a long time, you know, they've been doing it even longer. Yeah. And I, I watched a video from, I think it was a Harvard uh, uh, professor and he was talking about how they were introducing weather modifications for the first time. And it's going to begin in 2020. I'm like, 
what does this guy think of her stupid? Yeah. Like oh. I mean, for the most part we are. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree there. The majority of us are stupid. Yes. And so, you know, like, like California hardly gets any rain because wherever you're, you're drawing moisture from, it's going to take it from somewhere else. And so these regions are just drying up, but that's all part of the plan, you know? Well, and I notice it here in the Northeast because, you know, we used to get regular snow up here and, and now the snow is so sporadic and bizarre. Like mm-hmm. the, the, even the texture of the snow is different now oh, yeah. at times than before. Like we had a snowstorm a couple of weeks ago where I've never seen snow like it in my life. It, you know, you step on it and it like made this weird noise. You couldn't make snowballs with it. It, it yep. ended up turning into ice right away. Whereas, you know, snow normally melts and goes crunchy and then goes, this went yeah. just like overnight to a sheet of ice. It was, it's weird. And it, but it's, you know, you play with it long enough, you're going to eventually break the system. And, you know, yeah. I think they've manipulated it to a point where they can still control it. But I mean, you saw, oh, I mean, almost when that uh, it's funny because when that trucker convoy started in Ottawa, there was a massive blizzard that formed right around here um, and it came uh, east to west and it was supposed to go right to them, but it died right before it got to them. Interesting. Um, and then there was another one this past weekend where it came straight across, you know, the just north of the Great Lakes and was going straight for it. And then all of a sudden it dipped down south and uh, and hit us. But yeah, it's definitely I, I I'm with you. They've been modifying the weather for ages and, you know, and then they mess with the calendars, too. So mm-hmm. we're not in sync with, you know, what the natural uh it flow of events is yeah so so who knows (laughs) no not me like i say the more i learn the less i know yeah yeah because you know unless you've been doing this research for for years and years it's hard to get a grasp on on everything and you know and everything is just so well hidden that that uh you know we're we're relying relying on the internet which is full of deception and and altered history just right before your eyes like back in 2019 um because i i was teaching history at that time and uh our our project was you know find a philosopher and write about him and right before i had announced that that um that assignment i noticed that nicholas copernicus was was listed as a philosopher and then after the moment i had the day that i said uh, I had suggested it to one of our students. I looked up on on Wikipedia and it called him a mathematician. I was like, "Holy shit!" They they literally changed his occupation in a matter of a month, and uh, I found that very interesting. And now now everybody's talking about the Mandela effect and how history is just being changed right before our very eyes. And uh, you know, and they're just covering everything up. It's like you know they're working on that um, that book that. Uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and James Cameron produced the rights for the devil in the white city with mm-hmm. uh, Keanu Reeves. And um, they're, and it's about the 1893 world's fair. And uh, I'm curious how they're going to do this. I mean, they bought the rights to this movie in 2010. So it's like they knew that people were going to discover the deception of history and the world fairs was going to be a subject 
later on down the road. And it's like they were waiting for this moment to, to release this, this series to kind of like counter uh, inform people of all our discoveries, you know, just discovering all these, these uh, deceptions. And so people who love television and believe everything that they see, they're going to believe the narrative versus our research. So I think this is all intentional. Oh yeah. The timing is, is spot on. Yeah. You know, I, I, when I heard that, I'm like, this is great. I'm like, we're winning because you don't, they don't attack it unless it's starting to gain some momentum. And I saw that with like the whole old world Tartaria back in 2020 when Bloomberg uh, magazine did a hit piece on it. Yeah. And, you know, they, they just went and, you know, labeled it as a crazy conspiracy theory. And then they went and interviewed um, the, tar- the guy from the Tartarian meltdown red bricks that says everything is oh, a melted yeah. building. And, you know, and then they took some shots at John uh, Levi and, and things like that. But my, I got great pride out of that article because they needed to defend their narrative. Right. And anytime you see a hit piece out there, it's not just because they felt like writing it. It's because they feel threatened and they feel like, OK, well, we have to give our side of the story now. And I exa- I, I feel that the devil in the white city is going to be that they're going to try and find a way to give you a new narrative on the world's fair. Of course. Um, I, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm fascinated to see it, especially with CGI and stuff. This could be an amazing show. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, even that story has some, you know, skepticism to it because oh, yeah. this, the whole story behind H.H. H. Holmes being, you know, probably one of the pro, pro, most prolific serial killers in American history is some people say it's not even real. They say it's it's uh, nonfiction. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I read the book and because I was hoping they would give us some insight as to how the buildings were built and, you know, or some insight as to, I thought it honestly, I thought it was a, a real book. And then I got into it and I'm like, I start reading it. I'm like, how do they know all the details of everything he did? I'm like, this is amazing. And then I'm like, oh, this is a story. This isn't even a real book. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they portray Holmes because I've seen it in a couple different, you know, articles and things where, you know, some people say he didn't even exist. Um, yeah it's possible and that it was yeah it was just kind of a fear thing at the fair to uh to to keep people in line but i don't know that's another thing about the fairs though you never hear about anything bad happening right mm-hmm. there was never any issues no health breakouts you know no disease no fights no nothing it was almost like this was just a peaceful gathering yeah but when you see pictures i mean everybody's just crammed together and and there's thousands of people just all i mean the entire floor of of the 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 fair was just wall-to-wall people just oh yeah at the kickoff of chicago they had a hundred thousand people in the administration building and uh (laughs) and yeah like you said they were shoulder to shoulder and then you look out in the court that's in my background here and you know, a lot of times those people were in one end and there was, you know, a couple thousand people just crammed in there. Yeah. Um, but then there's other times when you see nobody, which is very interesting. Also, you know, that's another 
uh, little rabbit hole that people go into is all these pictures of old cities where there's no people or no life whatsoever mm-hmm. in them. Yeah. Like that picture in uh, San Francisco where it just kind of like, there's like a panoramic of like three giant photos just pasted together and there's nobody in it. Not a single no. person. And and like everybody says, it's during the day, you know, it's like, it's, it's either around lunchtime or it's around dinner time. So you, it's not like it's at 4 AM when the sun's just coming up and there wouldn't be anybody in town. This is at a time when people would be in the town if it existed, mm-hmm. which goes into the whole rabbit hole of uh, the model cities, you know, and how some of these pictures, you know, that they had Photoshop back in the 1850s. Um, they were able to manipulate photos. They were able to layer photos in um, yeah. and, you know, so, so so even some of the photos are doctored and you get into those and look at the vanilla skies in, in the pictures. A lot of the a lot of the skies are whited out um, almost as if they're trying to cover, you know, hide what was behind these buildings or anything that might be in the air. Um, you know, and I, I've heard both ends of the argument. Oh, well, it has to do with the cameras they used. And then other people are like, no. The exposure wouldn't matter because you look at this picture where there's clouds in it. And then you look at this picture and it's a vanilla sky. So yeah, I don't know what to think about it, but I I don't trust it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I do know. And then there's a lot of missing photos that have just been removed over who knows how long of a period. Yeah. So we can't trust some of these archives. No. And that's why I tell people when you find something, catalog it, download Mm. it. And, and get it off of the internet because I, a lot of my resources that I was using even three years ago are gone. Now you can't find them anymore. They've either the webpage is gone. You get the 401 error or 404 error. And uh, so, I, you know, save it. Cause like you're saying, they are also manipulating data heavily. Yeah. So the same source data you may have looked at last year, it may be different now. Oh, yeah. um, and that's another sign that something's up right because you're not changing history for no reason yeah well matt it it was a really pleasure talking to you i mean we can just go on for hours and hours and i know you have the uh your show tonight because it's monday night right you're gonna have a debate yes monday night master debaters nice yeah Yeah, i've been definitely enjoying that yeah, I'd love to have you on sometime if you'd like to join us, man. I, I uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun. We just get, you know, we like I said, we get four to five people on, and we go in with no agenda, um, and usually talk a little bit of current events, and then it goes wherever. Yeah. Um, but that's my favorite, kind, best kind of discussions when they're just not planned. You know, yeah, and it's funny because my buddy uh, Ghost, who does uh, my Third Eye podcast took the idea of the master debaters and does it on Friday night in something called talk of the tavern mm. where he just opens up his zoom at seven o'clock, seven thirty, and you can come and go as you please. And people are coming in and going out all night. And it's just like going to a bar, you know, yeah. you go in, you have a drink, have a smoke, talk to your friends, you know, you go out for a little bit, come back. And, uh, but I think that those type of formats where you get people just having discussions again, you know, right. and, and like this was such a great conversation with you, man. I, I really appreciate it oh, yeah. um, having me on. And because I, I like much like you, I we could go on for days on this stuff. 
But I, I think these conversations are important because one of the things that happened in the last 20 years is we stopped having them. We yeah. stopped, uh, you know, the, the old, uh, oh, you don't talk politics or religion. Well, why? Why don't we talk those? You know, is there something into it that we should be talking about maybe, you know, and that's so I'm, I'm just trying to bring back discussion. That's all I want. And I want people to disagree, too. That's one of the great things about the debaters is we have people who don't agree all the time. And and there is some really good back and forth. And and that's healthy. That's what we need. You know, we right. need we don't want to live in an echo chamber. But at the same time, we can't live in the extremism end of it either. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, yeah, we got to find that happy medium. And I think what you and I are doing with our with our podcasts and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to hear that you're writing a book. I, you know, I love to read now, so I will definitely be picking that up when that comes out. And uh, and I, I think we need to do more of that. Just get it out there. You know, right. let's the more truth we can get out there. And even like I said, when I started my podcast, even if I get one person to listen and and say that, you know, I'm going to think about things a little bit. I've done my job and, you know, the feedback I get from my show from people and, you know, the, the people that I've met doing my show uh, that send DMS or emails, it's so cool, you know, because yeah. I'm just regular guy like you, you know, but I got a, I got a little platform now and uh, can share my mind and people actually are interested. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, my my career is you know I started out as a journalist, so I went to school to become a journalist, and I didn't really pursue it because a lot of the places that I interviewed with, um, they just wanted me to pick a, a political side, and I was like, you know, why can't I just be a reporter and report the news the way it is? I don't want to pick a side, like I don't want to play that whole paradigm. And they're like, well, this sounds like this place isn't for you. Once you go work for Fox News, I'm like, well, they are polarized as well. They're on the other and, side. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I just want to be in the middle. They're yep. like, well, maybe you need to do your own blog. I'm like, well, I have a blog, but it's it's not satisfying and it doesn't pay that well. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I deal with the same thing in corporate America. You yeah. know, it's it I, I've been in it for 20 years now, and it went from the least political arena in the world to the most political arena. Now, everything is about signaling now. And, you know, they right. want us to put our pronouns in our, our profile and all this stuff. And it's like, that's ridiculous. We're going to extremes. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm with you, I'm going to lay in the middle. I don't like teams. You know, I always find that when you get on teams, they, you know, they end up taking you in the wrong direction. So yeah. I, I'm going to stay lone wolf for now. And, uh, and just keep doing my thing. And, and if people enjoy it, you know, people join in and, and, and listen and, and join the discussion. And if not, they'll move along. And, and so be it. It was just like we just had a martial arts tournament on Saturday and uh, the opposing school, like their parents were just, you know, rooting to beat him up, you know, get him, you know, kick his ass. And I was like, you know, I'm looking for the camaraderie and the bringing you know, because when you when you spar, that's when you learn the most martial arts. You don't learn it in class yeah. and, and doing repetitive things. You put it to it to you put it to good work, and that's how you solidify what you've learned. And some of these parents, I mean, they're, they're so 
they're so programmed by following sports and rooting for a certain team that this tribalism mentality is cause it causes you to hate the other side mm-hmm. when really it's the same freaking school. It's just yeah. another, it's just an, in another city. You're all in the yeah. same club. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I get that in, in my, my son's eight and he, he plays, you know, we're in a small town and we're playing, you know, he's playing basketball this winter and we played a town the other day and same thing. The parents are screaming yeah. and going nuts. And I'm like, I'm, I help out. I'm, you know, the assistant coach or whatever. And I'm cheering on their kids as much as I'm cheering on mine. Cause I'm like, these kids are eight, and nine years old. Anything they do that's good right now, we should be cheering and encouraging because especially in today's day and age, but yet you get these cutthroat parents who don't understand psychology, right? And they don't understand the mental makeup of this, that you should just be, just be supporting everyone at this age, not, Mm -hmm. not no winners, no losers, right? I mean, you're doing, I'm not into that. Everybody gets a trophy shit either, but um, I'm saying at a certain age, it's about just being there, sportsmanship, competing, and just being out there, not winning and losing and killing the other team. You know, it's about how about we, we leave this game and we're like, wow, those guys are good guys. You know, now I got 10 more friends I can call if I want to play basketball with. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm trying to bring that back, you know, because we've gotten away from that. We've gotten into that. Yeah. That blood mentality. Like it's all, Mm -hmm. it's us versus them. Whereas I want it to be us. Let's get back to us and get away from the us versus them because everywhere we go, it's us versus them. Mm-hmm. Everything is set up that way. Sports, entertainment, politics, you know, everything is set up in that way to divide us. Whereas oh, yeah. w- what, what is supposed to bring us together? We need to find that thing that brings us together because that's what we need now. That's and, exactly uh, what they don't want. No, no. But I think what you and I are doing, man, we're, we're, we're doing our little part in it, right? Yeah. To bring people together, to bring in discussion again, to bring in thought, um, to, to break the narrative. And I, I like to call, I think we're spell breakers. You know, I consider yeah. us, we are out here to try and unveil their spell to break it and to show it for what it's worth. Breaking the illusion. Yes. Sure. Well, Matt, it's already been two hours and I know you got to, you need at least an hour to prep and, and get some food and <laughs> re-energize. Gotta get my, I got to go take my shepherd for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, it was a pleasure and, and I hope your your podcast takes off because, you know, I'm really doing this to, you know, uh, put your, my, my favorite shows in, in a, in a, you know, the spotlight per se and uh, get you, hopefully it gets you some attention and get some other people who would never have discovered you, you know, to tune into your podcast and, and enjoy it as much as I have. So thank oh, you Mike, for I really appreciate that, man. That's, that's, that's great. I really do. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, you take care and uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk again. I, I definitely want to make an appearance on your uh, d- uh, great debater show. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. It's the master debaters. <laughs> master debaters. play on words. Yeah. But I, I definitely want to make an appearance and, and you know, I, it sounds like a lot of fun. I love these forums and, and you know, these discussions and you know, I, I makes me want to do my own because yeah. I belong to a meetup. Uh, here in the the Dallas Fort Worth area, and you know, and we all get together in person, and we have these discussions about about the true Earth, and uh, I think it would be good to have, you know, a healthy debate and and talk about other stuff, and you know, 
hopefully it wakes other people up and they want to join and, and follow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, we'll talk at you soon. And uh, yeah, you take care. Yes, sir. I'd love to talk to you, man. Be good. We'll be in touch. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for watching this edition of KGUP Presents. Be sure to follow Matt of the Great Deception Podcast to watch and listen to his shows. Just click the links in the description. And uh, coming this month, uh, I'll be doing more interviews, including an interview with uh, Michelle Gibson on Unguru. Um, I'll be doing a few more shows with a some surprise guests. I don't know if you noticed, but the but YouTube has been demonetizing my episodes and removing views, and they're definitely shadow banning me. Uh, I mean, it's it's just part of what we do now. Uh, my audio podcast is unaffected, so if you prefer to listen to my shows, just search KGUP Presents on your favorite podcast platform, and I have all these interviews on BitChute and Odyssey. Odyssey. And uh, if you want a little extra and you want to be a part of the show, uh, please join my Patreon. It's uh, for as little as three bucks a month. Uh, for annual subscribers, you get uh, to you'll get first uh, access to my uh, book uh, that's coming out later this year. You'll get a free copy if you're an annual subscriber, and you also get some cool merchandise and, and a lot more. And if uh, you love this show and you don't want to be a Patreon supporter, I understand. But uh, if you want to get a T-shirt. Uh, hat or sling bag just go to kgup1065.com forward slash shop the links are also in, in the description 100% of these proceeds go to running the show and the radio station KGUP FM Emerge Radio just like the t-shirt that I'm wearing um, you can check out what's playing right now by saying Google ask KGUP FM to play or if you have Alexa just say Alexa play KGUP FM Again, thanks for watching KGP Presents. Until next time, this is Mikey J. I'm out. The earth is flat. Bro, you need to check your facts. I got high up through the roof. And I landed on the moon. The moon flat too. In reality. Everything is just in 2D Like a video game from 1983 Besides growing up and down the street While y'all sleep Call me B.O.B. cause I don't see the curve Messing up my vibe, yeah you got a lot of nerve Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn Read a book, nah, I don't wanna learn They say that we are king